0: Welcome to New Movement. I'm Pastor Terrence Taylor. I'm so glad that you're joining us this afternoon. I hope you just felt loved. I hope the worship was just life giving. And I hope the people around you made you feel like you belong because you do. And uh, I'm just glad to be able to share with you on this exciting day. This is an actual monumental day. Uh, for me, my family, and for the life of the church. And we are getting ready to shift into a brand new series, uh, actually I to say a brand new season uh, for our church as uh, we get ready to launch uh, this thing that we've been praying for, uh, for new movement to really be the church that brings hope to the city and this community. And uh, for a couple of years, I have actually been serving at two different congregations. It's kind of the way uh, we're set up uh, as Adventists. And so I have been serving at another church for about five and six, five years, uh, almost six years. And today is my last day serving at that church. And so my family and I are over there uh, today and we are celebrating with them and, and saying our goodbyes and our and are giving our love for them. And then uh, I will be transitioning to being here and this will be my primary focus. So it's really something that we've been ready to celebrate. And what it means is that, as I mentioned, a new series or a new season of this church is that we are getting ready to go full speed ahead. And I'm so excited about it. Um, Our team here um, has been praying for this and we've been praying for you, some of you, To really join the movement. That's what this is all about. When we've said that we're not just a church, we're a movement because this world needs a movement. And this last couple weeks, I've been talking about we are the church. We are that church. And I've been looking at the book of Acts and looking at kind of the original church and some of the things that they were doing and really saying in faith that we believe we are that particular church. In other words, We 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 want to have the attitude um, that that church had, and we want to have the practices that that church had, and so that's been our goal. It's been our dream, and so today I was going to prepare uh, the last part of this message um, series, but you know there was a message I watched um, a couple months ago, and it literally was life changing. It's from Pastor Darius Daniels, Doctor Darius Daniels, who's one of my favorite. Uh, preachers and had a chance to meet him a couple times at a conference that I attend and his message uh, on what he shared just really resonated. And I thought, you know what? I want to share that with you today. And it's, it's called five types of people that you can't help. And the reason I want to share this message is as we begin to uh, share the gospel with our community, with our loved ones, with our family not everybody wants to receive it. And I really want to give you freedom um, to really see the power of God, first of all, and how he works in our life in times where we were kind of resistant to his help, but also um, to frame the right attitude that I want us to have as a church. We're here to love people. We're here to help people. Um, we're here to be there for people, but out of the most loving response we can give. And so we're not here to bash anybody. We're not here to make anybody feel bad. And I love what he talks about towards the end of the message is that we're not giving up on people. We're giving them up. And you got to hear what he's talking about. And so there's a text he's going to read from, and I wanted to read it to you. It's found in Matthew chapter 10. It's something that Jesus told his followers as he was sending them out, much like we're being sent out um, as a church and as a movement. He says, Whenever you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter a home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. And if any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. Then he finishes with verse 16. Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this today. Let me have a prayer with you before we get started. Father, thank you so much for technology, and thank you so much for the word that is truth. And I pray today that uh, this message that we hear will bless the people And Lord, may we be excited about where we're going together. And may someone new today find a relationship with Jesus they've been looking for their whole life. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's check it out.
1: About 10 years ago, I listened to a teaching that really inspired me. And as I was preparing for this message in this Rejection Rehab series, I felt like some of that content... Uh, could be utilized for me to put together a message to help you. I want to say that because, um, one, I I want to always teach with integrity. Two, we live in an age where people will quickly accuse you of plagiarism, and I need people's help with a number of things, preaching not one of them. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have to steal content for preaching, and uh, I can preach collard greens. Because collard grains are evidence of a harvest. Yeah. So this is not anyone else's teaching, but I heard a principle, and it inspired me to create my own sermon. And so I want to talk from this subject in our time together. Five types of people you can't help. Five types of people you can't help. One of the words that can be used to describe the nature and the work of God is help. Helping is not just what God does. A helper is who God is. It is inherent in his identity. He can't help but help. His mere presence is the presence of help. He doesn't have to do anything. He just has to be somewhere, and wherever he is, help is there. As a matter of fact, uh, David, who slew Goliath, writes in the Psalms that our God is a very present help in the time of trouble. That you and I don't have to depend on history and his activity in the past to give us assurance for the future. In other words, God isn't one who just helped us in the past and who's committed to help us in the future. God is helping you right now. Whatever he is doing, it's to help us. And whatever he's not doing, it's to help us. So if he's doing something, he's helping me. And if he's doing nothing, He's helping me. Anyway, all things will work together for my good. Because if he's with me, he's helping me. I got a question Is there anybody here watching me online that knows he's a helper? That he has helped you? That you're sane in the membrane because he's a helper? That you're stable and spiritual because he's a helper? That the weapons that formed against you did not, shall not, cannot prosper. Because he's a helper. And we are made in God's image and in God's likeness. It doesn't mean that we are everything he is. There are some attributes that are in theological and academic terms incommunicable. There are some things that make God, God and us, us, but we have inherited some aspects of his identity and we are instinctively helpers. If I were to simply summarize everybody's purpose. Everyone's purpose in life is to, in some way, help someone else. If we are going to carry out this sacred duty, it is imperative that we embrace a reality that is communicated here in the gospel of Matthew. Our ability to help people is not just determined by our willingness it is equally affected by people's openness. That in order for people to be helped, we must be more than able, they must also be open. Jesus puts it this way when he's writing through John in the book of Revelation. He says in Revelation 3:20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Watch what Jesus says. He says, I'm knocking on the door of a person's heart, but their openness is what determines whether or not we have intimacy. Their openness determines my effectiveness because it is not the anointing that determines whether or not someone is helped it's their openness because you can give everybody everything but openness oh this is interesting it is sobering it is disconcerting Because all of us are impacted by rejection in different ways, but when you are rejected by those you are attempting to help, it can produce a different kind of infection because it means that you find yourself in seasons and situations where you have to sit on the sidelines silently and watch people you love suffer when they don't have to. Watch people who have the ability to live in certain ways and on certain levels, live lives that are beneath their potential. Oh, that can be disorienting. It can be frustrating. It can be a different kind of discouragement. And if we don't handle that rejection properly, we will take that rejection personally. And when we take it personally, their rejection produces an infection, called bitterness. There's a way you can throw yourself into the life of someone else and they reject it and refuse it that can cause you to take a protective posture in our hearts that make us callous, indifferent, and make us adopt philosophies such as I will never do for anybody else. what I did for them see that bitterness can become a barrier to God using us to help other people in the future because of what someone else did in the past I'm trying to see because I know what service I'm at this is the real service right here well all of the services are real but this 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 is real on another level right here and, and, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to, to see if there's anyone honest enough to admit that when you're being rejected by people, you know you're able to help. It produces a different degree of frustration. Because you're looking at people saying, you don't have to live like this. And it's killing me to see you kill yourself. I feel helpless. I feel hopeless. I I feel limited. I've done all I know how to do. And if you found yourself in that season and situation, Jesus has some words for you. They are the words he had for his disciples, his apprentices in Matthew chapter 10. They are finishing their theological residency. They have been working with him and learning from him, and he gathers them and and huddles with them and he prepares them for some field education. He's getting ready to send them out into certain villages and in, into certain towns to help people and to do ministry. And before he does this, he prepares them. He prepares them first of all by giving them power. That's ability, that's assistance, and that's authorization. Just because someone has the ability doesn't mean they, they, they've they been authorized. And, and he not only gives them power, he gives them watch this, a plan. He says go two by two in into different villages, into different places. He also gives them what to preach. He tells them to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. But lastly, he gives them something all of us need to have. He gives them number four, perspective. Listen to what he says to them. He says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. In other words, you're going to have one disposition, but I'm sending you out amongst people who are going to have a completely different disposition than yours. You're going to be like a sheep, but they're going to be like wolves, aggressive, assertive, hostile, and you're going to find yourself being bit by people you're just trying to feed. He says, you're going to find yourself trying to help people and they're going to be treating you like you're hurting them he says, you're going to try to engage in ministry and some people are going to misinterpret your motives and they're going to confuse you trying to advise them with you trying to arrest them. They're going to communicate, you're trying, they're going to misinterpret your motives and think because you are trying to help them, you're trying to harm them, that you're trying to assist them, that you're trying to control them. And you're like, I got enough business of my own to get into yours. I, I don't need anybody else's business. I'm here not because I need to be. I'm here here because i want to be i'm here because i love you and i believe in you and i refuse to let you go without a fight i refuse to let the adversary have his way with you and i not do anything about it i refuse to sit on the sideline and let you live less than god's best that's why i'm in your face it's because you're on my heart but it's interesting because what Jesus, what Jesus does is he, is he gives them perspective so that they are not surprised by the inevitable. He says, I want you to have a realistic perspective about what's about to happen. He teaches them how to respond to people that won't listen. <laughs> he says, before you leave, I want, I want to tell you what to do when people don't listen. He says, I know you got power, but they're still not going to listen. I know you got a great plan, but some people still are not going to listen. And I know I'm going to tell you what to preach and you're going to say what I told you to say and some people still aren't going to listen. And Jesus can say this to the disciples because he's got experience with it because he said, they listen to me. And I don't know if we have the perspective Jesus is trying to give his disciples because I think that we think if we got power, a plan, and what to preach? People are always gonna listen. Some people you love will not listen. Some teenagers won't listen. Some spouses won't listen. Some parents won't listen. Some siblings won't listen. Some friends won't listen. Some coworkers won't listen. Jesus tells his disciples this so they aren't surprised. When people don't listen, so that they don't take the rejection personally. Because it can make us bitter with us and bitter with God. Looking up to God, asking, Lord, what's up with this? Why aren't they listening? He tells the disciples, "When you are not listened to, this is what you do." He says, "I want you to go out into the middle of the street and I want you to shake the dust off your feet." Well first of all, he says, first of all, he says, he says "If it's not a peaceable situation, when you're trying to help people and it turns hostile, he says, "Get your peace back." Can I, can I go here? Because sometimes we left our peace somewhere and we need to go back to 2016 and get it back. Some people's peace is in their last relationship. Some people's peace is at your last job. Oh oh my goodness. Some people's peace is in 2018. Jesus said, we must take responsibility to get your peace back. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I want to encourage somebody to go back to wherever you left your peace and say, I left something. This belongs to me. You can keep the clothes, but I need my peace. I need my peace. Yeah, I'm still trying to find the peace of me. I can live without that, but I can't live without peace. Jesus said, you better get that back. Return to cinder. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because if I got my peace, I can get more clothes. If I got my peace, I can find another place. If I got my peace, I can get another job. If I got my peace, I can walk through another door. The same God that gave it to me the first time is the God of restoration. It's the God of redemption. I can get that back, but I need my peace. And then Jesus says, go out in the street. And he says, shake the dust off your feet. It's a metaphor. It's a symbol. He's saying, don't track the dirt of rejection from one village into the next one he said "It's no way you can be rejected and the dirt not get on you he says just make sure it don't stay on you bitterness may get on you but make sure it doesn't stay anger may get on us but make sure it doesn't stay the spirit of retaliation may rise up in us but make sure it doesn't stay just look at them and say to yourself, "If I was like you, you'd be in trouble. But since I'm not like you, I'm going to let you live, even though I could kill you right now. Let me, let me go over here. <laughs> yeah. Be, 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 because who what I do to you says more, more about me than it does about you, I'm going to let you live. I'm going to put this tea right back in the refrigerator because if I would spill this tea, it would really be a mess. But because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world, I'm going to let you live. Yeah, it'll get on you, but Jesus says, you got to shake it off because if not, you would carry the residue of rejection from one village into the next. And even though some people... Don't know how to appreciate it. There's some other people that are waiting on it. Jesus is saying, I need you to go to the next village because there's some people that's been praying for what other people have been taking for granted. Some people waiting on somebody like you to come into their life because they've been through enough to appreciate you when you get there. And Jesus is saying, Jesus, Jesus is saying, you go to the next village, not because you can't help those people. saying you go to the next village because maybe those people aren't supposed to be helped by you. This this, this, this isn't for us. This is for the disciples in the text. But for the disciples in the text, maybe Jesus is teaching them that you don't get to pick your assignment. You did not call yourself and you don't get to pick who you call to. (laughs) that, That your ability to help someone is an ability I gave to you, and then I determine who you use it on. Because if I let you, this is not us, this is for the disciples in the text. Because if I let you pick who you use it on, you'll probably just use it on friends and family. And your oil will go no further than your own house. Maybe, maybe Jesus is telling the disciples in, in the text that you help people that I care about, and then I'll make sure I help the people you care about. He's trying to get them to embrace the reality of limitations that there are some people that are not open. And when you try to force openness, you move out of ministry into manipulation. You move out of calling into control. And there's a word that the Old Testament uses to describe people who are obsessively controlling, forceful, and manipulative, even with good intentions. The Old Testament uses a word called witchcraft. In the Bible, witchcraft is not an old lady with a black hat and a broom stirring broth. It's biblical characters like Jezebel who try to manipulate outcomes so that things turn out the way they think they should turn out. You see, Jesus is not encouraging us to give up on people or to stop helping people. What he's doing is he's trying to rescue us from allowing the rejection, from trying to help some people. To infect us to the degree that we become so bitter that we don't help others. It means to have a commitment to help people that's so deep that you don't give up on people, but you give people up. Did you catch what I just said? Jesus isn't saying give up on people. He says, but there comes a time where you got to give people up, where you got to see I have done all that is in my power to do this way. So I'm going to put you in somebody else's hands that's wiser than mine. And I'm going to believe God, like the father of the prodigal son, that God's going to protect you even in your silly season. That, oh my goodness, that grace Is a companion that never jumps out the car, even when stuck on stupid is driving the car. Is there anybody here that can testify Grace stayed in the car with you when it should have got out? That God protected you when you placed yourself in situations and seasons that made you vulnerable? Maybe I'm just, maybe some of us made all the right decisions and made all the right choices, but I believe there are a few people who are seated in this sacred space to say grace covered me. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, tolls and snares, I have already come. It's grace. That brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me on. It's recognizing that there are times where I have to give you up, because if I'm holding on to what needs to go up, I'm in God's way. Have you ever tried to feed a baby and the baby help you try to help you feed? Both my kids did that. They just. And I'm like, if you would get out my way, I could help you. What if I told you sometimes our hands are in the way? And God's like, I kept, God's like, I kept you. When you weren't in your right mind, I could keep them too. But I need you not to give up on them, but to give them up. Because some things you're calling helping might be enabling. God says you might be getting in the way of lessons I want to learn. God says you might be ruining a relationship because you're trying to control it. And what's going to happen, that control is going to breed resentment. And so we have to be able to discern when people aren't open. And so I want to give you five types of people that are not open, five markers to see when people are not open so that we can give them up to God in hopes that some way, somehow God turns back around and sends them back to us or somebody else that's able to help them. Okay, number one, you cannot help people who don't think they need it. Salvation requires that a person acknowledge their need for a Savior. You cannot convince someone to take medicine who does not believe they're sick. (laughs) You cannot convince someone to wear a cast who does not believe their bones are broken. Because there's, there are a few things we can't do, but one thing we cannot do is open people's eyes. What did Paul do when he dealt with people whose eyes were not open that he wanted to help? He prayed for them. That's Ephesians 1. He prayed that the eyes of their understanding would be open. When you have a person who doesn't, watch this, know they need help, we have to pray that God would heal them from their blindness. Because at some point, if they don't see it, our conversation is going to start feeling like condemnation. Ooh, this is interesting, isn't it? Number two, you can't help people who know they need it and don't want it. (laughs) In John chapter 5, Jesus approaches a man who has an undisclosed issue for 38 years and he asks him this question. Do you want to be made whole? See, this is interesting because it means that we've got to be honest. We should do this more often in church. <laughs> that everything that is bad don't feel that way. Yeah, okay. This this part I got to preach to the real side. Whoever. Everything that is bad doesn't feel bad. Amen. Sometimes we said stuff to people, and he's like, ooh, that was so wrong, but it felt so good. Some people don't want it. Yeah, I I, I know this is probably going to kill me, but it's all right. I know I shouldn't be jumping from this to that and this to that, but it's all right. Especially when a person becomes a purposeless person. The Bible says where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. They don't care. They live recklessly when there is no vision for their life. And so they know they might need it, but they get to the point where they live their life with a sense of, I don't care. Number three, you can't help people who don't want it yet. Some people know they want it eventually. They just don't want it yet. I'm coming to church. I know I need to be there. Just not. It's not yet. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to put it down. I know I need to put it down, but, but not yet. Oh, I'm not going to marry them. You know, we're just kicking it. We're going to break up because they're they not marriage material. I'm not, I'm not through with them just yet, though. <laughs> okay, here it is right here in the overflow. Catch this. We can't help people who don't want it from you. <laughs> Jesus dealt with this when he went to his hometown in Nazareth and he's preaching and people like, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Joseph's boy? Some people's familiarity with Jesus caused them to miss the favor from Jesus because they were so familiar. Have you ever found yourself in situations where you've been telling somebody something forever, then all of a sudden they call you and start telling you something somebody else said, like it's news, and you're sitting there like, wait, fam, hold up. I've been telling you this for years. I said it better than they said it. Am I teaching the truth, y'all? You can't control. Sometimes people just have these. And you can't take that personally. It can't be, what did I do wrong? Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He was perfect. (laughs) Y'all all right? And number five, I'm done. You can't help people who aren't willing to do what it takes to get it. One time the disciples were in a dilemma about taxes, and Peter asked Jesus, Lord, what are we going to do? And Jesus said, you have a provision problem, so I want you to use your gift. Go fishing. And Peter went fishing, and when he caught fish, the coin was in the mouth of the fish. Sometimes people want coins, but they want you to do the fishing. that happens you we aren't helping we are enabling and anyone who cares struggles with this there's no way you can care and not struggle with this because love goes the extra mile for people you love and so jesus is not saying give up on people you love jesus is saying give those people up And there's no way in a room like this, this size, that we aren't dealing with this. Some of us are dealing with parents that we're trying to help. They raise you, but you also are having to raise them. Some of us, we're dealing with substance abuse issues in the family, and that can be so hard because it's this emotional roller coaster. And you're praying and believing and they're stealing and you're forgiving and you're sending them away and hoping this time they're going to stay clean and they're forging your name on things and you got to forgive and you're, you're hoping and you're praying and you, you feel guilty, you don't want to give up it's hard it's hard when people are not taking your advice but expect you to be there when they're reaping the consequences of not submitting to your counsel He's like, I got to keep being here, and it's killing me that this is killing you. But God wants to know, do you trust me enough to give them up? Not give up on them, but to give them to me. And say, Lord, the way I've been doing this isn't working, and I want to try it your way. maybe god is speaking to us saying give it to me give them up because they're better off in my hands than in yours
0: i just wanted to get the chance to pray with you and just offer some of you uh, an opportunity to really let god allow this message to soak in your heart um there's some people that i hope you're praying for And I hope you know that a lot of our peace and our joy comes from someone praying for us and someone being willing to stand in the gap for us. So I really wanna pray uh, for you, for some of you who just need to find um, some forgiveness and some freedom, not only for yourself, but for others who have hurt you and to allow God to really be the one to draw them in. So I wanna pray for you um, right now. Father, I wanna pray right now Um, For those who feel the need to say to you um, that they're sorry. To to really say to you that, Lord, we know that we've been difficult and we've pushed you away. And uh, we pray right now that you will begin to heal us and that we accept uh, the offer of salvation that is offered to us through Jesus Christ. And that, Lord, our redemption and our process of salvation, Lord, we would step into that knowing that you are leading us and we are willing to be led by you. And I wanna pray for others today who just feel that they need to allow you to work on the hearts of the people that are around them. And Lord, what a joyful experience it will be to see many who come to you because of our effort. And I pray that as we go into this launch season, as we reach people and we invite people, Lord, I pray that they will respond. I pray you soften their hearts even now. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity as a movement to bring peace and restoration um, in the world. And we pray that you will use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a powerful
1: message.